Ryan. Hey. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, doing spectacular. I have returned. We have returned like we were a second part to a first part. Ooh, 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 Rachel. This is, this is, oh, I feel bigger and better like a sequel usually is. How about you? How are you going today as we talk about some sci-fi? How are you doing? All right. All right? Just a bit all right there, governor? Champion, we're all right? See, that's if we were British, but we're not. We're Australians. We're Yum Yum Podcast because of the amazing line of dialogue uh, from Star Trek Discovery where a character said Yum Yum sexily, breathily, uh, hilariously, and we adopted it. We put it into our skin, and uh, we have it on us and in us and with us all the time. I'm Ryan, and uh, that's Rachel over there. Right over there. She's she's on another she's on the other side of the planet, it feels like, but not really, because by the end of the by the end of this discussion, we're going to have banded together to shoot Nathan West's fiance right in the face. Uh but don't worry, she That's won't more in the she chest. won't bleed, she won't bleed. Because they're not allowed to show violence in this show. Which will be very important in our discussion, I think, because that did come up a lot. Uh, we're here to talk about Space Above and Beyond, a science fiction series from the mid-1990s, a one-season darling that got cancelled by Fox. A- a Their dreams of- were crushed. A tale as old as time. Uh, a science fiction show created by some trustworthy showrunners from previous material, such as with these guys, the uh, the X Files, uh, and they got to make their sci-fi show for Fox, and Fox went out of their way to crush it and destroy it, and they succeeded. Uh, but we're here to look over it, see what's happening, see if it still holds up, if there's any merit and value, and just have a general discussion about the series. I have seen Space Above and Beyond before, but Rachel. This is all new to you, isn't that right? Yes. All new. This I'm one fresh. This was a fresh viewing experience for you. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know. Did you even know that this show was going to have two parters in it? Uh-huh. Considering it's one season thing. I assumed that it would. Okay. Because it has over 20 episodes in the season. And double parters were so common. I always think of double parters coming, and this is the Star Trek effect, and this isn't even accurate, but coming in during the third season onwards affair. Uh, Voyager's first season didn't have a double parter, did it? It ended without a cliffhanger either. Mm, Yeah. Uh, But that's just another series to point to. But uh, people... If you are worried about spoilers for Space Above and Beyond, do not worry. We will only be talking about this episode and the previous ones we have watched. So feel free to join us, and we recommend that you give the series a going over yourself. Not enough people are watching a Space Above and Beyond, let alone talking about it. And it's interesting to look at this with uh, 
modern with a modern lens because there's a lot of things in this episode that we're going to be discussing that really made me stroke my chin and think about how science fiction television has come so far yet still has a lot of the elements that this was playing with uh around rachel what episode are we talking about today we are perusing episode nine choice or chance when the 58th crash lands on a moon deep in enemy territory and shane west damp house and wang are captured by silicates damn food yeah Mm. I know, you, you see it written down, you want to say damp house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was doing it wrong, too. You've let her down. You've let me down. The silicates are even let down. And they they have no stake in the game. Damn Fu and Wang are captured by silicates. West discovers one of the other prisoners is... Kylan. Nathan, Nathan, it's Kylan! So there's a lot to dig into, so I'm just going to hit the ground running. I thought this was a rather interesting episode when you look at it from the lens of it being the second part to a story, because it is a lot more of the action-orientated feel to it. The first half was all set up, and a lot of the emotional things of why these people are getting into this this episode is a lot more looking at it from the action standpoint and when i say action standpoint i don't mean just shooty shooty or punchy punchy but having the characters grapple with the themes of the show which is obviously war and trauma and guilt and survival and so on at a far more practical level. Minimal dialogue is needed for the characters to go through the motions of this story. And I really commend this episode for doing that far more efficiently and far more effectively than some of the other episodes that have leaned into this element a lot more. One of my favorite moments, this is so minor, so inconsequential, but it meant the world to me. And Space Above and Beyond has been filled to the brim with these moments a lot already, but this was great. At the beginning, we have Commodore Ross and he's, and all of the people on the Saratoga going through all of the stuff, and they're making it very clear how dire straits this is, how dangerous this is, how there's the possibility that the men didn't make it, and that this could all be in vain. And then Sewell walks in between where uh, walks in between a conversation two characters are having across the bridge of the Saratoga, where Commodore Ross is talking across the bridge to another person, and he's just wandering there, fiddling around with his watch, being all nonchalant like none of this matters to him. I thought that was just a brilliant visual to tell us everything we needed to know. That we, that the corporation, that the people that are in a way running this war, don't give a fuck about the actual blood, sweat, and tears that is at the center of all of this. No. That was a neat little moment. It wasn't, wasn't a, there wasn't a spotlight shone upon it. It was just direction. And it's a good reminder that they're there for their own reasons. They don't mm. care about the people, but they have their own agenda. 
Yes. And that's what they're concerned with. Yeah, we get to the very end where we get the classic, here's your suitcase briefcase with something in it that glows and you know that it's going to be some form of new technology or weapon or fuel or yeah. something or like, other. That's what they really went there for. Yes, that's why they were making this big play. It was it was rather interesting. Uh, how did you feel about this? Choice or chance? There was a lot walking in. You guessed a bunch of things before being told the title because when you found out the title, you knew silicates were going to be involved. Yes. But you had a guess that they fell onto the actual Ch- Chig planet. You had a guess that they would have to go rescue them and that there would be some shenanigans happening on the Saratoga. But really, it was mainly about mm-hmm. what was happening on the planet. Yeah. Once again, it's all about the 58th. The moon, I should say. It, it's a moon, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly just fucking... You know, San Francisco. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. LA does it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what did you think about Choice of Chance? I enjoyed it. It was doing a lot, and I feel like I would appreciate this more on a rewatch because it's that sort of double edged sword. Of, I'm really interested in all of our characters at this stage. And I like what they're doing with all of them, but there's a lot going on. Mm. And I know that there's a lot that I don't understand yet. Mm. So I feel like if I had more pieces of the puzzle, I would like it even more. But I already really like it a lot. And this episode is providing some more pieces to the puzzle that we've already been playing with. So I was really appreciating that where it gave us some tidbits that make you reflect back on things we've seen before, such as the silicates, where before we were told the silicates are trading and having a relationship with the chigs, and we were like, well, what's money to them? Like, we were told that they are having this financial relationship with them, and now we get that information. We know what that is now. Because we see them actively doing it. And so that was rather And cool. it makes sense because one of the silicates previously discussed the issue of fuel and how it costs a lot to be out in space. Space is very, uh, it costs a lot in many ways. And yeah, fuel is one of them and all of the technical resources that goes into spaceship making and propulsion and all of that nitty-gritty stuff. As a second part to a story, how did you feel? Because there's often that uh, balancing act with these TV two-parters where one of them's better than the other, or is it just really one big episode that was just cut into two, or is it just two episodes that have a linking thing between them, but really you could have made them two. Like, how did you feel about it from the perspective of this being a two-parter and a conclusion to a big story that we've had? It feels more cohesive and better constructed than the pilot by comparison, because that's a movie that often gets split into two, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. 
So it is much better in terms of structure than that was. But it doesn't feel like, oh, dang it, I've forgotten so much about the first part. Like, no, no, everything that I needed in the first part was in the previously on. Mm. Which is but, one of the worst previously ons I've ever seen in a television show. God, yeah, it ma- it did not make it, me excited to watch this was, episode. It was um, it was emotionless. It was so. It didn't make me excited in a weird way. Like it felt like a corporate meeting. Yeah, like it was just very. We have to do this. For getting the best oh, actor on so the show odd. to getting the best actor on the show to read it as well, you would make you think that it would work because McQueen's great. That well, here's here's my note. Here's my note, and I know it's too late because the show's been off the air for ages. They needed to lean into it coming across like a uh, a briefing, like a military yeah, briefing. That- that could have been really fun. Pump in some music, have McQueen read it like this is a, a secret military briefing that we're going through, and there you go. But instead, it felt like a cold, emotionless, heartless corporate yeah. meeting where it's just, here are the facts, it guys. It feels like, oh, they, they let us have an extra $2 <laughs> to <laughs> cut this together. It was really weird. It was yeah. really, really weird. Um, and that made me feel stranger about this being a double parter because of the previously on. Because mm. I'd kind of forgotten that it was a double parter. And then I was like, oh, oh, this is happening at me. Oh. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't want this. I don't want this. Please be over soon. And then thankfully it was. Um, but it does, it needs to be a second parter because of, it's so directly linked to the stuff in the previous episode, way more than other episodes have been. Like, all of them have been somewhat interconnected, but this one is very strongly linked. I agree. I agree. I do think there is a world where you could have condensed this down into one episode, though. Yeah. Uh, as it is, uh, it's good enough. I don't know if I liked this as much as the previous one, mainly because the previous one gave me what I needed the show to give me, which was insightful introspection on our ensemble of characters while this has given me stuff i've had in the show already but done a bit better so that's why i feet space above and beyond you found your feet Mm. and yeah it is stuff that we've seen before and they've got the teams that they've been split up into. Yes. And I loved all of those pairings. Yeah, they were they were rather interesting, weren't they? Because West has to get paired off with somebody that you didn't expect to see, and they were a character from the pilot, somebody that's very important to him throughout this show. 
obviously there's a twist to it, but it does remind you of how far he's come because he is different. He yeah. is a different guy. And so we can go through that stuff in a moment, but one of the things that I think was really striking about this when we pair it with the previous one is the 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 the, the mirroring, almost a dark mirror version of what the people going through in the previous one, which is they are having to come to terms with they are going to die. That's what the previous one was about. This could kill us. We could lose, and we may not even be heroes, but we will go out there anyway and fight the good fight. And it is that momentum of, yes, we can do it. Here, we are smashed down to reality where each one of them is confronted Again, with this notion of their own mortality, their loyalty, uh, their individuality, and we see it in a in a in a practical sense yet again, and it's very depressing. Like I, there were many moments in this episode where it was rip roaring fun, where we're shooting people, and there's funny lines, and there's the classic space and beyond, space above and beyond feel. But a part of that feel is this overwhelming, oppressive and depressing atmosphere. The stuff with Wang, the stuff with Shane and Damfu, even with West, had this air of tragedy to it all. Mm. Where at the end, they come back and everyone's championing them as heroes, but none of them feel like it. No, it's bittersweet, is and how I would describe this. This all isn't for a victorious reason. Yes, they reach that feeling of, yeah, we succeeded, but at what cost? And it's all a deeply personal cost for each of them. The one who had the least cost to them, I would say, is Cooper. He, yeah, he didn't. The most he got. And I have problems with Cooper and his story in this. He's probably the one that I had the biggest issues with. But how do you feel about that? Because this is something that you've been growing accustomed to on this watch is that Space Above and Beyond isn't like a fun sci-fi show. Like this isn't like Babylon 5's first season where there's some disturbing things here, but it's a, hey, Garibaldi's watching Looney Tunes and like everything's pretty relaxed and fun until like mm. near the end where stuff starts to hit the fan. And same with yeah. Star Trek where that's pretty fun even if there's some dark elements. Space Above and Beyond it has a very, uh, even in the lighting, very oppressive feel to it. How are you coming to terms with that? And did you feel it here with this? Yeah, like when you were unpacking that and saying that like there's this undertone, I'm like, yeah. At its heart, it's a sort of dour show. Like, it is not here to uplift you, and it's not here to depress you. Mm. It is trying to show a version that's highlighting the grey and the complexities of war and what it costs in terms of humanity, not human life, but the idea of humanity. Mm. And that 
really comes through in this episode because that's the point of the episode. See, isn't it so much nicer that we talk rather than hurting each other? An element that I thought was rather ingenious and I and it really came upon me when I was looking back on this after we watched it. When I was watching it, I didn't think about this, but putting it down for a moment and going, okay, what did I just watch? What I just watched was a bunch of different little stories circling around a similar idea, which is being a prisoner and or being captured. And what stories can you tell with that? And instead of having one episode be about the one where they get tortured or one episode being about them rescuing each other or the one episode being about having to decide which one who lives or dies. This one uses the entire ensemble to have a go at all of these different things and it manages to do it in a way that is smooth because of the pacing. Which is extraordinary. Like, it got to the point where I was like, they're doing a fucking lot in this episode. They're doing a fucking lot. Yeah. And spinning so many plates in terms of the direct plots mm-hmm. of this episode, but also the bigger things. Mm. And it's just like, you really, you really crapped up on me with this one, Space Above and Beyond. And although a lot of our characters are isolated off from each other, these stories manage to connect with one another in a way that is very satisfying. So, for instance, Commodore Ross is less involved in this episode than he was in the previous one, but his character and his element serves as the big boy cavalry that will come and save them, which then links into... Uh, McQueen and Cooper, who in this story that's about being captured, the POW story, they are the ones who are going to break in and save their men, right? And that ties back into with Commodore Ross because they send out the beacon so Ross knows where to find them. Then you have uh, West, whose story is the man who has escaped the the prison camp and has to keep escaping. But maybe, and they have this little twist, but maybe the person he's escaping with is actually a secret traitor, right? And he connects with the Commodore Ross thing as well because he helps send the Chigs off to the wrong direction so that it makes it easier for the cavalry to come in. Isn't that neat to think about? And again, we because see how... he is a military person now. Yeah, he yeah, is it... no longer... He is so far removed from the civilian scientist that he started the show as. The puppy dog expression is gone. Those, those So far behind. His yeah. actions being driven by his undying love for this woman is gone. Like He, he joined has, for her, but he's not there for her He's anymore. not going to die for the illusion of her anymore. He's no. wiser. Because if this was episode two... West, yeah, it would have had to be another character would have had to figure out that she's not really her and then have to teach West 
the moral of the lesson here. And no, he, mm. he knows. He's the smartest. He's he's actually arguably one of the smartest ones in the episode. But then we have uh, um, we have Shane and Danfu, where they are the ones who are imprisoned. They're in the cell. Isn't that fun to think about? Again, look at this episode and look at it from the angle that the creative team here are grabbing all of these different ingredients and and, and courses that we make for the POW war story, and they're using them all here instead of just dedicating a singular episode to each one of them, which in this show they could easily do, and they could still easily do it. Like there could be a whole. I mean, we've seen this. TNG, for instance, there's that uh, there's the double parter where Picard is captured by the Cardassians and is tortured. That's the story, right? And yet, with Wang, he's just one little element in this, while all the others are happening as well. And I thought that was really something ballsy because the show's getting more confident in the type of stories and the structures that it can tell those stories. And it's also has a thematic purpose because the show really wants you to know and it wants you to feel the truth that it isn't one atrocity at a time. Yeah. Lots of things go wrong at the same time for different people and it's complicated. If I have a criticism, we can go through the plot by going through each one of our little groups or our little story strands. Uh, my criticism comes with McQueen and Cooper. There's this completely, it's just time waste. It's just filler. It is just spinning of the wheels where... Leave me behind. Leave me behind. It's an order. Because it amounts to honestly nothing. Yeah. All it amounts to is Cooper knows... All it amounts to is Cooper knows a thing that, that McQueen doesn't know. But even then, McQueen just says, well, what's the issue? Let's go. So... Yeah. Yeah. It It's... Defunct. And Cooper in this episode is not challenged in any specific way other than having to leave him and then he still finds him anyway. So they still find yeah. each other. So doesn't really It's like he goes back for him. Not a shocker. McQueen, he has stuff here. It's not yeah. as big as everybody else's because he had the no. bigger thing last week, but he sets the tone for what the episode's he about. He does, and he gives important insight into Wang's experience without it being openly exposition. Right. You're you're completely right there. And it's just neat filling in of McQueen as a character where what's his backstory, Rachel? He he may not be as old as he looks. Mm. We got a minus 18 from Mm. Whatever he looks. Yeah, that's true. That's true because he he was he's a, he's a tank. He's a tank. Came out when he was 18 years old. Mm. Still kind of so, so, does my head in a little bit. So, how old do you think he is? Do you think he's like twenty two? Oh, we're getting we're getting sidetracked. Oh yes, but what's his backstory? <laughs> his, his tragic backstory. Uh, so he fought in the AI wars and was a POW towards the end of the war, and 
it took them three days to fully break him. And he didn't even know he was broken. Yep. Just like Wang. Just like Wang. And Wang has that similar experience of hearing the screams that are his. Yeah. That was a neat piece of work, too. It's not an out-of-body experience or disassociation like it is with McQueen's description. It's him literally it being played back to him. And to give even more credit, too, they do a great job with editing to disorientate you, the audience, where we have a scene where Wang is talking, he's no longer being tortured, he's maybe even striking a deal with the AIs, Hard cut to Vanson and Danfu hearing Paul scream. Mm-hmm. And you don't know. It's like, is that him being tortured like in continuity of the scenes that we've just watched? Or is this earlier? Or is this yeah. a recording they're playing to torment the prisoners? Who knows? Yeah. That's that's all there before you get told. But I think of it Because you in... hear him screaming throughout the whole episode. But it, it makes me think when they did that cut, yeah. it ties into what McQueen says. To yeah. me, that's how I look at it, where mm-hmm. it's just like, you feel like you're cognizant in this moment, but really you're screaming in this yeah. agony because you're so gone. You are no longer in control of your mind or your body. And uh, Cooper asks McQueen the important question, which has been lingering for a while. Like, why the fuck are you doing this for humans? And why is he doing it? He's doing it so that he can be essentially a positive representation for his race. Hmm. So he wants to be out there... And he's doing it for anybody who's been called a tank or a nipple neck Mm. and showing them that in vitros are as good as anybody else and as capable as anybody else. But they have... And not just a waste of space. Lazy cowards. I really liked how he emphasized that it was to also show that we do have sets of values because they look at us like we don't. I do it so no one, human or in vitro, will ever be able to say that all in vitros are lazy or cowards or don't stand for anything. Uh, We have Dam Fu and uh, Shane and... This is the one I believe benefits the most from it being a two-part story in terms of in the previous episode, they were at each other's throats. Mm. This episode, they're close now. They've no, bonded. They've no, got... Shane is doing the same jaw thing. She now finds it comforting when yeah. Danfu does it because it's, it's... now like this, this thing that's a distraction from the screams of their friend. Uh, yep. Yeah. I liked it. That's it. (laughs) These two actors and these two characters just, again, they gel with one another very well because they're both tough, soft-spoken chicks, but they are different to one another, and they go through that. They, They are forced to decide who will live, who will die. And I love the way that they do that here because it isn't genuinely that they're 
playing those roles. Shane contemplates it, though, before. Yeah. She gives excuses as to why Danfu should be the one who lives, because Danfu has a family, which we know Shane feels like she doesn't have a family, even though she has She's sisters. not connected to those people. That's a big difference. Her family died that night is how she feels. Between having family and being a part of a family, two very different things. She really views family as having a mother and a father as well as your siblings, and she doesn't have that, and she had to serve not even as a sibling but as a parent herself in a manner. Yeah. So her views on that dynamic and relationship is 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 warped, and we see how Dan Fu rejects it. She she just rejects it, and points out that you're playing into their game, and that's definitely something that Shane doesn't want. Shane hates the silicates more. So, and also the Chig is watching us. So this is a little bit more important now. I did like the flip there, where you're presented this idea of the silicates as these gamblers. And they keep saying choice or chance, choice or chance. And I really liked their whole ideology about choice or choice or chance in this and why they're making them decide this life and death thing of you make a choice to keep people in your mm-hmm. family. It's just chance that you meet this person and how they look at it. And at first you're thinking, okay, them doing this is a classic, at this point, we've met silicates once, but we know them well enough to go, oh, this is a classic silicate move, it feels like, right? Mm. But then the twisting little knife of, actually, this is the Chigs wanting the Chigs making the silicates do this so that they can test and observe human nature and to observe our willingness of betrayal no, and our enemy. No, no, the enemy. Uh, what did you think about that? Because for the large portion of this, it is coming across as just silicates doing silicate things that we've been taught already. How did you feel? I saw it coming that it was going to be a thing with the chigs because we've been told that it is the, a, a chig penal colony. But the air, they don't like you. Yeah. So they let us have it. So they're getting the silicates to control it for them Mm -hmm. so i was like there's something else going on here because it's not just a game like it, it felt like it was something else i understand that yeah, to me, I, it took me it took me by surprise. I didn't remember. I assumed that the chicks would be involved with Wang because they're torturing him for information or for whatever. While they're getting him to Confess. speak out against the war. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to Wang, but uh, yeah, I I also uh, had a good time with how quickly and efficiently the characters got themselves out of that scenario where. In another series, you could easily have these two characters still bickering at one another because they were bickering in the previous episode and now they're bickering and then, Mm. oh, throughout the journey they realize how serious it is. 
but they're not bickering at each other. The closest we get is just Shane is trying to sacrifice herself yeah. because she feels the need to be that type of individual. And again, that even speaks more so to her character where it's more about her having to sacrifice herself yeah. than actually saving Danfu. It's about, yeah. I, I'm not worthy. I, yeah. Which... And a little bit going back to her survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised by the chick thing, but I like how they got themselves out of it by pretending they that they played were... into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I then they was just kicked them and fought them a bunch. so glad that that was what it was because I get really bored with those storylines where it's like, it's you or it's me and typically end up being a, like, twist or a um, double agent sort of thing somehow yeah, or a backstab moment. And it's like I, I feel like I've seen every way that that could be done. I agree. And this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a l- one that I see much less frequently. And it's a tried and true method. So yeah. it works. West, uh, you you were very surprised. Do you want to walk us through West and what he got up to? And, West uh, isn't a fucking dummy! Yeah. West is actually smart! Yeah, and... Uh, you were surprised by a certain character showing up in this. I wasn't expecting Kylan. <laughs> and I was right, because it's not actually her. I got the same actress back, so... Yeah. She fooled you. <laughs> but I could tell that it wasn't going to be her just from the way that she came into the episode. Well, she was a prisoner on the prisoner planet yeah. near the Chig what we assume the chick homeworld is, so why not? Well, I no, in all no, honesty... No, no, like, just the way that she enters in the script of, like, reaching out from behind the bars and they don't get to touch, mm. I'm like, this isn't legit. Ah, so you thought that was trickery from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I never believed that it was the real Kylan. I did, for one thing in particular... Which is the, I never thought I'd feel your breath on my face again. I'm like, oh, that's her. She she always <laughs> she always fucking spoke like that. She did. She did. They had that fucking weird 1940s romance shit going on. Yeah. Oh, this must be her. But this, even though I knew, I even, though I re- even though I remember that she turned in good to goo, and I even, even though I saw that she was affronted by the smell of his blood, that moment just... It tricked me because I was like, oh, yeah, that's how their relationship was. It was weird. <laughs> uh, 1950s um, and 40s. Yeah. I, I didn't think about it in that way of like him, why she's disgusted by the blood. No, so you didn't pick up on that little clue. No, no, I, I didn't piece that together exactly. Like, I knew that it was weird, but I didn't put it back with that other information that we already know. Mm. Um, no, like, she was just, I was like, this is just too much. She's too soulless. Yeah. I risked my life for you. They risked their lives for you. 
Don't you understand? You don't understand. But I, I, I really thought something that was rather neat here is in a story, you've often mentioned that you know how scripts are and you know that they can't do these things where, say, we know that none of these characters can die in this because they're our main characters and we're in this many episodes of the show. Yeah, they, 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 won't, they, do they, they won't do that. But there are R. some R. things perks. that you think, well, maybe they will because they've shown that they have, like they've already shown that they can do this. Which is the temptation for West to leave them behind for his love. Because we've seen him do reckless, dangerous, mutinous, horrible things in the pursuit of this woman. Yeah, we know how much he is willing to risk, give up, and do at the potential mm-hmm. of alone, seeing her. Let alone physically being with her. So how did you feel about that nature? Because that's what his story really yeah. is. Other than, is she really this lady? The story is, is he going to leave those people behind? Or how tempted, how far is he going to go down that road? Because he thus far has been a character where he's bounced between the the dark and the light when it comes to morality. I was very surprised by how little he does. He, uh, particularly after the experience on that planet that was... Um, is now, like, blacklisted. We don't talk about it. Mm. He's not willing to risk them the way that he was before that. We had the mutiny episode where he apologised for that and how yeah. he said he wasn't going to... He was going to be try and be better than that. And he has. He's he stuck has. He has. He has grown a lot. So I really appreciated how much he was like, no, fuck you, no, we're not leaving them behind. I'm not even considering it. Mm. Like, I have a hard choice to make, but I am not going to leave them behind. And he never budges on that. He refuses to argue over it. Mm -hmm. And it's really powerful. The show for me, the series for me has gotten better because West is no longer the central character. They have gotten to this point in the last, what feels like, let's be generous and say four episodes, maybe even five, where it is the show is the main character. This episode will maybe be about West, or this episode may be about damn foo or this episode may be about mcqueen but at the same time you have many moments like this episode entirely where it's just about all of it it's about the characters it's about the war it's about the themes it's about the sci-fi and the mysteries and the corporation and so on and so forth because west at first was a main character and he was an unlikable character by design but that's a tricky road to walk when you make your main character so unlikable because it does, it can, and in this case, it did wound the show. And you can see that they've course corrected where they're not betraying what West is. 
They've evolved him. And they've evolved the show around him. Where maybe this guy doesn't work as a central lead and the others are secondary to him. Maybe he has to be at the equal footing to them. And even step behind them because his character has the ability to do that. And so I I I'm I'm Team West at this point. I you know, he's probably I'm, risen yeah. to being in some of my favorite characters and one of my favorite characters in this. He's just solid. The actor's always been really good at portraying this milk toast guy who's arrogant. You want to you want to just throttle him, but at the same time you want to keep watching him do things. That actor's always been mm-hmm. embodying that. The scripts have just taken a while to figure that out, how to capture that themselves. I'm no longer annoyed when he's on screen. And then Kylan gets found out to be an alien monster. I adored how he just blank-faced oh, shot her. Fuck yeah, that was so cool! Did you expect the rationale for why he shot her? Like, you knew, oh, he knows that she's fake, but his explanation, I, I actually didn't even consider. Oh, yeah, neither did I, and that's what made it even better. And his explanation for shooting her was? I never told her your names. Yeah. Hey, we've got to say blah, 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 blah. Bang, bang, bang. And they were all mortified. Like, how could you do this? Wes is like, I never told her your names. Nope. Okay. Tell me, this is your first time watching. Walk me through. Explain to me what happens next with them shooting Kylan. What happens? And tell me what you thought. Oh... Do we want to go there, or do we want to go Wang? First? No, no, let's let's go here, and then we can tidy it all up with Wang, because his is the darker side of all of this. She turns to goop. She turns to goo. She turns to goop. We see the fingers transform into chig fingers momentarily, so that communicates what's happening. Yeah, it gives us the direct link that this is a chig thing, not a silicate thing. Mm. Which is good to know, because if it was silicate, you could understand. You go, oh, yes, silicates look like people. Maybe they're using this technology to build new silicates, like mm-hmm. ones that look like important figures. Okay, and this is them maybe testing it out. Yeah. Okay, but it's a chig. And again, you have those breadcrumbs, like the blood thing. Uh, and But then she turns into goo, which, Rachel... You've been a fan of the chick goo thing since the yep. pilots. I love me some sci-fi goo. Yeah, it's really bizarre. I mean, what do you think? It's it- super fucking cool. And the implications of it all? It's super fucking creepy. I'm just excited. Like, I don't know how to be particularly insightful. Because it's just like, oh, there's so much cool things that they can do with this. They now have the ability to transform themselves into looking like humans. Changes the nature of the the war. war. And not only that, they can now breathe oxygen. Because she could breathe oxygen as this. Like, it's not only that they could transform her into it, like, they changed their physiology, like, they changed the chick physiology enough to sustain being in oxygen, in atmosphere that we know is toxic and, and deadly to them. Hence, the they emphasize that in this episode. 
Uh, I thought that was a neat thing that nobody commented on, but it's something you, the audience, can think about as well. You are blindsided, and you are maybe more captivated by the obvious ramifications and consequences that this could befall mm-hmm. the world of the show. But there's so many other cool things and little details, mm-hmm. and it all adds up to just be like, this is really fucking cool. Then we get to the meat and potatoes of this episode. The depressing shit. Wang is just tortured for the whole episode. Into submission until he is broken. Yeah. Uh, so we get a uh, silicate torturer who was a humor model. Yeah, and I an really extra like that. slap in the face. And I really like that. That the comedic relief is being tortured by a comedic, comedic relief. relief. I thought yeah. that was amusing. Did you know that actor? The I, um, the, the, the humor model. He's he's played by an actor. Well, those character actors. That's in. Yeah, I was like, I know, I know this guy, but I don't know why I know this guy. He was in the Green Mile. He was the shitty, the real piece of shit. Garbage, uh, 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 prison guard, the one who didn't put the sponge in the water. Yeah, he's that piece of shit, oh, and he's in everything. Oh yeah, he's in everything as mm-hmm. a slimy turd, and he's here being a, a slimy, slimy turd, turd. <laughs> but a fun one. You can call me Elroy L one three two seven. I was designed as a humor model, a silicate to make you smile. Now, I know you're allowed to tell me your name, and I just hate people who are impolite. Here's another criticism. And we know that this isn't the show's fault. This is Fox's fault. It's nerfed. They were unable to show violence of human characters to a degree. So... They could show it in very minor ways, but the Fox Network came down and being like, look, you can shoot chigs and blow them up and blow up spaceships all you like, but you can't show a gun being pointed at somebody's head or a person bleeding like out of them or anything that is actually violence happening to a character. Maybe a punch will do. Maybe a kick will do. But shooting no can happen human to on human shooting violence. can happen to the robots and the chigs. That's it. And so you have you a can sp- tear their arms off. Yeah, and because they spark out of them and it's fine, they don't bleed. So you have a whole storyline in an episode, and it's a rather harrowing storyline. The acting is great, the lighting is great, the overall, again, undertones and overtones of oppressive uh feel and depression and then the depressive feel of it is very much there. But it is nerfed because they were unable to show the torture itself. And you can tell that. It's not one of those examples where you go, they don't show us the torture because it illustrates the fact of blah, blah, blah. Like, them cutting away is more impactful than them showing. It, it's yeah, not one of those. It, it is not them using, oh, it's much more torturous for their audience to use their imagination. No. It, it, they wanted to show you, and you can tell. And either it was removed or they were told no. That's my complaint with the Wang thing. And again, 
this is why it's great to talk about Space Above and Beyond, because this is the first series we've talked about where we can directly point to outside forces that stop the show from doing things that would be obvious storytelling things. This isn't like Discovery, where it's like, oh yeah, they have 15 different showrunners, but like every showrunner didn't know how to fucking write a story that they were writing. It's not as if it's like Babylon 5, say, where, oh... He got told that season four would wrap up the show, so he did this, and then season five happened unexpectedly, like, and then he still managed to write a season, like, and he still got, like, free reigns to do whatever, yeah, so he got Warren Keffer in season two, but after that, blah, blah, blah. Every show has their production problems, but this is one of those where you go, look, I, if this was another series where I didn't know this behind-the-scenes stuff, which is pivotal, to Space Above and Beyond's DNA as a series, because you are excited, but let's never forget that this excitement that you have, you know, is not going to be totally fulfilled because it was cancelled, because it was never meant to live as a series, because Fox hated it. And this is an example of Fox hating the show. Showing the violence, showing the torture of Wang, is so critical to the themes of this series, and they weren't allowed to do it. Nope. So they're making the best with what they've got, and it still works. Like, it's still captivating, but it's not as much as it could be. I don't need gore. I don't need whipping or or drills to the face, but I do need something communicated to me better. Yeah. You need to feel it and have a sense of it. What kind of torture is he going under? Like, we don't even get that. Is it just physical? Is it psychological? Is it, How were they undermining who Wang thinks that he is? Because he keeps on doing the baseball yeah. stuff to try and hold on to the essence of himself. But we have no idea why he's questioning that and why he's doing it out loud. Yeah, we do understand, like, by the end of the episode, oh, yes, he's been tortured to the point of breaking. And here, and the conversations mm-hmm. between the two characters is that connective tissue that would be great to have when you tell the story where you have the meaty moments be the oh, here he grabs the weapon out to torture him, or here he psychologically torments Wang by showing him footage of his friends being murdered, or so on and so forth. But you don't have those because they aren't allowed to have those. So you just have to rely on those conversations. And thankfully, they're good conversations, and they're well-acted conversations. But it is a half-formed thing. Yeah, it it doesn't get to meet its full potential. Uh, one of the things that I think is very good about it, and, I mean, I guess we've talked about stuff like this in previous Space Above and Beyond episodes, but also when we do Discovery, which is, like, yes, it's missing these things that would be essential to tell the story in a more fully-fledged way. But what it does have to push it over the line, or what it doesn't have to push it over the line. So with Discovery, we've talked about how, oh, it had this thing that pushed it over the line, or this thing, oh, it didn't have these things, so it doesn't go over the line. What makes this go over the line, what makes this emotionally impactful, is that it has 
an emotional resonance. We may be lacking the resonance of seeing the torture, but we we connect with it because we see this goofy, fun side character or main character comedy side relief guy become a hollowed out person. Mm-hmm. We see that on the screen from the beginning yeah. of the episode where he's over so cocky and he's saying his name and he's saying his thing. And then at the end where he can't even accept the embrace of this woman that he's had this relationship with in the previous episodes. Like it's really sad. Like it works because they managed to land the emotional beats of it, even if they weren't allowed to get all of the storytelling beats of it. Yeah. Like you can like a nerf bullet's still a bullet. It's just nerfed. Like you can tell what this is and what it could have been, but it's the impact of it is lessened. Are you guilty of war crimes? Yes. And how does what you've done make you feel, Lieutenant? I feel shame. And you can tell by the end of the episode that he feels like a traitor. He can't accept that he's His a hero. His sense of self is really adrift. Yeah, it's been ripped away from him because he defined himself as like, I'm the funny guy and I like sports and I'm a patriot and 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 on we go. But now it's been really muddied for him. Something has been taken away from him. And the silicates, these robots, these synthetic people looking him in the eye and telling him that you are the bigots. You are the murderers. The chigs are look at you as how you look at them. They have a derogatory phrase for you as you do for them. They don't like it when you call them chicks. They don't like it when you invade their territory or kill their men or call them this or this and that and that. They don't like it. And what you did was you attacked civilians. Are you really a hero? Uh, Like, Having this robot say that is is an extra sting as well, but like it confronts you, the audience, as well as Wang, that for the majority of the show, we've looked at the Chigs as these inhuman alien creature monsters, but now they're looking at you and saying, well, actually, we're not so different, you and I. The enemy sees you as their enemy. And they see you the way same way you see them. And... What does that mean? Uh, Yeah, and I thought that stuff, again, giving us lore, giving us filling in of the chigs without actually having to have the chigs there doing all the stuff is uh, really clever. I I personally like, and I know you've had problems with this in the past, I personally like that the chigs don't show up all that often and that we are learning about them as the characters. They They are a force and we're learning about them as the characters learn about them, instead of just, here's a bunch of text saying, like, here's the Chig lore before... It's just a drop. Yeah. It's a, a solid drop of information each episode. And it's giving us what First Contact is like with uh, a, a new species of aliens where they're not properly communicating with each other, but they're experiencing things and picking up word of mouth 
and maybe getting little bits of information about the enemy and we're having to piece it together. We, the audience, as well as the world of Space Above and Beyond, are piecing it together and getting a general outlook on the Chigs, who are still mysterious, are still unknown, are still alien. But what is alien? You know, that's that's kind of where we're at with this. Uh, and you just get that devastating scene with Wang where he is back on the Saratoga and he, he rejects his present. He tried to kill himself in the episode as well. Let's not forget that. He stood out in the yeah. battlefield waiting to get shot because he doesn't deserve to live. Dark stuff. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't a fun episode, quote unquote, fun. It's fun in terms of it's really well made. It's rather exhilarating. You see the show just getting more and more into what it is, its identity. I I remember I brought up to you in the previous discussion that, oh, I was so glad that, you know, this is just this just felt like, oh, this is space above and beyond. Like it has that dialogue, it has the music, it has yeah. all the stuff. And here it had the element that was far more uh absent in that previous part, which is the the horrors of war. Because this is a war show more so than a science fiction series. This is a war show. and It's war in space. It's war in space. It's World War II in space is how they pitched it. And, uh, yeah, it's... Oftentimes, with these science fiction war epics on television, let's just hone it in there, they look at it from the sci-fi perspective or the... uh, wacky ensemble of characters thing. But this really is looking at it from the boots on the ground and what war does to people. And I think that's what makes it still unique from a lot of its contempt from a lot of the contemporaries it had and a lot of shows now. A lot of shows now will still be like Star Trek Discovery where it's like we're a sci-fi war show where we show you the horrors of war for one season and then the next season is about faith and then the next season is about this like well that's not really what the show's about like maybe that's what an element of one season's about but this series that's what it's about the whole time is like the horrors of war it is about the multi multi facets of what happens to a society and people when we are in conflict and how and this is where people get a bit squidgy on uh, space above and beyond which is it's pro-military like it's showing the benefits of militarization or having a military but at the same time i would argue that it's very critical of it as well i would argue that it's very critical of what the military is but it shows a, a, a truth which is they serve a purpose there's a function to the military like the military just isn't a thing that happened because we decided like there's reasons behind why we have Isn't militaries. Neat. Yeah. And this isn't... Yeah. And uh, I think that's basically all I have to say on choice or chance. Anything else for you? Any moments, little bits, character beats, lines, anything? I suppose I just want to appreciate that the silicates are so soaking up this opportunity to fuck over humans 
they're reaping a lot of benefits from this. Yeah, and they are a, a third party in this war that is really profiteering off it. And they have their own weird agenda. And we've talked about that in their big episode, the the second or third one of the series, where the silicates, because of their programming, they can never be trusted from anyone because they will just decide that, ah, fuck it. They're agents of chaos. They're agents of chance. So you really can't pin them down. So it's like, for now, they're working with the Chigs, but what are they really getting out of it? How will they screw over the Chigs and humans? Like, this is a series where... if If it appears, they will take that chance. I could easily see, and now this isn't me spoiling, this is me, like, spinning out of, like, this was supposed to have five seasons, this series. I could easily see at some point that the Silicates became the, the big bad enemy. I was that, thinking the same thing. that the Chigs and the humans would probably have to team up to work against, or the classic, like, Game of Thrones thing where we're so embroiled in our own petty bitterness that we're ignoring the oncoming storm that is the silicates in this case. Or the B5 approach of the seeming big bad goes away, but all of the little the things eggs that they laid will hatch. Or that we made ourselves. Because in Babylon 5, it's like the Psychor is something of our own making. Yep. Um, even if it had influence from the shadows. But, uh, a lot yeah. of potential. A lot of potential. And some that we'll see blossom as we've been seeing already. I give this episode a yum yum. Yum yum. It's a yum yum for me as well. Yum yum. Uh, I'm keen to know what the title of the next episode is and your guess of what we will be getting in it because I have seen the show so I may remember what this episode is about but I don't know what it is. What's the title? Stay with the dead. Stay with the dead and we are up to episode 10? Yes. Stay with the dead. Any thoughts? No, not really. This isn't one that jumps out. Um, now, we know the dead are important in the lore. Of yeah, so I think that there's going to be something with human bodies and or chick mm. bodies. Um. I my wild guess is there's gonna be some sexiness. Okay, sexiness, sexiness to do with. Yeah, maybe like you know. Can I ask? Do you think it will be a good episode? No. You think it will be a bad one? Yeah, just because we've gotten a few good ones in a row. So we've got two. <laughs> right. When was the Fear Planet one? That was like. Right yeah, before that this. was right before. So we might get a bad one. Here's what I'll say. I feel like I have a memory of this, but what I'm going to say is my probable guess is from a practical sense, which is I'm looking at our characters and I'm feeling in my gut we need a West episode, like one that's about him again. So I, but I've said yeah. that before. I've said that before, and then we didn't get it. Yeah, so what I... do I know? I am also seeing some 
dream sequences or flashbacks in this episode? Oh, oh, one That's thing that we never discussed. Part of my visage. One thing we never discussed what? in Eyes. Yes. That 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 I feel could be relevant too. Maybe it's a story about family because Eyes set up that his brother is now. His brother is uh, now joined the Marines. Yeah. So maybe you could have an episode uh, again. I can't remember if this does even happen in this show. I'm just like going with like material yeah. we've got now. Maybe it's an episode about like stay you know staying with the dead, right? Like you know like worrying about the the loss of potential family now in this war. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um or I just feel they like kill a, his brother off and they have to deal with that. Deal with that. I, I yeah, I just uh have a gut feeling that we need to have a West episode again, or be bold and give us a damn foo episode. We haven't had one with her. She's the one that's really had mm. no big episode of her own. I know yeah. Wang hasn't either, but I feel like this was far more of a like yeah. Wang centric yeah, episode. Like you got a lot out of his character. Damn here. Foo you felt for him. Plot in the Fear Planet episode was so shit. I does that? Yeah, I guess that counts as a damn foo episode. So maybe not her. Okay, you got me. That is that is it. You can find us on your social media platforms under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. You can email us at yumyumpod at gmail.com for any information or if you want to hit us up. Uh, we have our Patreon where we... Patreons re- heard this first. Our patrons. I like that you call them Patreons and I call them patrons. I they're, adore they're yumli- that. They're, uh, yumlings, and you're all yumlings, but they're yum yumlings because they are very yum yum. You're, I you're yum. I was going to say the captain, yeoman, and first officer yumlings. Yes. Because those yes. are the names of the tiers on our but, Patreon. Yes, our Patreon, or wherever we As put out now. bonus content. And we are putting out these episodes where we talk about Space Above and Beyond on our Patreon first. And then we release them on our main feed later. So if you want to hear our discussions on Space Above and Beyond early, skip the queue of waiting week after week. Come on over to the Patreon. There you go. All of this in the description below. There was a lot of sadness in this episode, but none of it beat out the sadness that I feel from the pilot when Pags died. (laughs) Cheers to Pags! Pags! Here's the Pags.